On this episode of Resi Week, we talk about working with Nest and how to fire a client. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 264, Identity Crisis. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. Welcome to this week's episode of Resi Week, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for AV Nation. TV. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my favorite people. First, we have Samantha Ventura. She is the VP of Education and Training at Cedia. How are you doing, Samantha? Fine, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to see everybody. I've missed you guys very much. It has been a minute, so thank it you so been. much for coming back. Yeah. Then we have my good friend, the dear Uncle Richie. He's the principal <laughs> at Fergosa Design. How are you doing, Richie? Good. Mellow West Coast greetings. Glad to be back. Glad to be. Uh, actually, it's been a, uh, it's been a an aviation kind of week for me. So we had a. You know it's Monday, morning. right? I you know it's lie. just Monday. They just keep going. They they all kind of, they all at this point they all just kind of flow together, right? I even broke out the Zoom shirt for it. Ooh, yeah. I I will say I'm I'm wearing the nicest dress shirt I've worn on a Zoom call in a long time. <laughs> Because today is the day of Zoom meetings, it seems. Mm -hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right into this with a story that comes to us from Residential Tech Today. Brilliant Control and Google are reconnecting after Nest's integration rules have changed yet again. If you have been following the Google and the Nest uh, conversations back and forth over the last, I don't know, three, four years, to say that Google has changed their API and changed the way in which devices interact with their systems, uh, every, every you know, stiff breeze would be an understatement. Um, about a year and a half ago, they canceled and, and ended the Works with Nest program, which meant that all of your basic, uh, you know, DIY and, and do it for me products, unless they were already connected, didn't work anymore. It broke like everything. It was great. Um, now they're saying it's back in some different flavor and you can now uh, connect things in this case, brilliant with Nest. And uh, there, there's, there's a bunch of features that, that uh, work with Nest and a bunch of manufacturers. So this is really, really cool to see. Samantha, let me start with you on this. This is one of those, to, to our industry, this is kind of like the stereotypical example reason of why we as, you know, professionals try to be very cautious with how we work with some of these major manufacturer uh, DIY-ish, light, however you want to phrase that, um, solutions. Because not that Google does things on a whim, but seemingly on a whim, they bricked a bunch of systems and they yeah. bricked the capability of people who bought into an infrastructure yeah. all of a sudden to realize that, yeah, not so much. How do we as integrators go about managing that aspect of it? Because these products are here to stay, but more importantly, how do we communicate that to our, to our end users without sounding doom and gloom? 
That's such a good question. And I think it all goes down to those expectations, but also you're hundred percent right. Largely we rely then on things that could be ever moving and ever changing on a whim, as you mentioned. Um, I think again, the key to this is a lot of communication upfront where it is stated outright that historically, you know, X, Y, and Z we've seen happen before. Sometimes these things get pushed or changed or altered. It's never, you know, in the best interest of the client and client and certainly not what we want to happen. Um, but when they do having a fallback plan is always really important. Um, now, how can you ever anticipate everything? You can't. However, we do know some of our, um, you know, most notorious probably offenders of changing things or altering things or making life difficult for us um, in this industry. And so I would say that um, it's always good to have something also in your back pocket to offer up as a potential solution if something does happen like that, instead of just always being reliant upon some things that we know or companies or organizations that we know historically have caused our largest problems. Yeah, very good. Uncle Richie, this is, gosh, this is definitely not the first time you and I have talked about this. It will not be the last time we've talked about this. How do you go about planning for these things? Planning for X major manufacturer that is a massive global company as a rule who makes the cool product that everybody wants, who for reasons we don't always understand has to dial something back or, or change things that, that breaks everything you've done. This is, it's not, this is not an exclusive issue to Google, to Amazon, to Sonos, to any Sony. It doesn't matter. Everybody does this at some point, especially when they're bigger companies. How, how the heck do you plan for this? Or do you have to result like rely on, um, resolving it when it comes. Samantha pointed out the the once bitten twice shy approach that you have to take with with the larger manufacturers and with manufacturers in general. I mean a, a new product that comes out. I mean you're you're going to have the they don't know what they don't know um, purpose of it. I mean the first part is uh, you know you always present uh, the 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 delta, right? You know, do you want it cheap? Do you want it uh, easy? Do you want it reliable? Pick two out of three. So once you start with that matrix with your clients, and again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, right? Your job as a technology advisor is to point out, here are your choices, here's your budget requirements, here's your performance requirements, and here's your expectations. Not only are they short-term expectations, but long-term. And again, with, with, with integrators, the hardest part is the identity crisis that they always fall under when they feel that they can't tell the whole truth for fear of losing the job, for fear of upsetting the customer, for fear of driving them to another solution. And, and for younger integrators, younger companies, you know, not necessarily of age, but younger companies, that's the hardest part is being able to stand firm and tell your client, here is what you can expect currently. Here is what may happen, not to say it will. You know, and we, we always have the conversation with people about possible versus probable, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, some companies, it's possible that things could change. Some companies, it's probable that they will change. And you also have to take into consideration, say with, with, with the larger uh, companies that are out there, they've got much larger marketing arms behind them. 
and when you're dealing with a consumer product. And this is this dials back to so let's let's take a look at this, right? This is Resi Week is geared towards the residential integrator, the CDHM, right? We have to more and more bridge the gap between a consumer direct to a consumer product and a custom product. 30 odd years ago, you know, we've always talked about it. It was rock and roll, you know. You had the Peter McKeans, you had the Sam Runcos, uh, you you had all of these people who just said, it's not out there, I'm going to invent it. Nest, its heritage from a founder standpoint, when Tony Fidel built the product, you know, he was the father of the iPod. Yeah. And he said, I want to make thermostats sexy. That was the founder's push to create the product. Nest is a perfect example of what happens when you go from a founder-driven product to something that they hand over to a product manager. And the product manager goes, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like trying to build something out of committee, right? Once you start build, building something from committee and there's not a unifying voice, this is the stuff that happens because they don't necessarily consider the downstream effect. All they're considering is the forward progress because they have no historical reference at that point. And that's what we try to explain to clients. The people or the companies that we work for have a vested interest in keeping you happy. Those are our partners. We have ancillary companies who we work with for their convenience measures. However, please understand, client, that in order for me to give you this $99 convenience box, I am going to have to spend in orders of magnitude your money to make sure that this thing works consistently the way that you want it to. That is a hard conversation to have, but it's a brutal and honest one. And, and, and I think that's what Samantha was kind of keying in on from, from the market and from education to be able to take integrators and give them the ability to stand firm and, and say, you know what, this is not going to change. This is where the market is going. We can't hide our heads in the sand and say, no, 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 not going to happen. It was that Drake one. You know, no, you know, the, the, the meme. Um, Thanks for keeping it Canadian. I, I keeping like it Canadian. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, and this was near and dear to my heart because I, I mean, I kid you not, I deal with it on a daily basis. And Google, this, this is just a, an example of mm -hmm. what integrators will continue to face on a daily basis. And as a firmware change happens, as, and again, they get acquired by somebody else. They get a new product team. And, 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 and again, it's, it's, we see the end result, but sometimes you have to consider that these are companies. These companies have people. These, these people who are driving the product go to other companies. So now you get somebody new. And now this new person has an idea. And so there are lots of decisions that occur in an ecosystem, especially in large companies, that honestly sometimes have no rhyme or reason. But as the integrator, you're left holding the bag. So, you know, yeah, dig in your heels, educate yourself, um, talk about probable versus possible. Uh, and, you know, Samantha said, yeah, always have a plan B, um, you know, and, and we do. We, we created in tier levels, you know, here are, here's ultra reliable, not as convenient. Bridges the middle, um, you know, we can, we can kind of work with things. Or ultra convenient, not as reliable, you have to decide if you want to live with it.
Yeah. And, and being and, able to communicate and being able to communicate that. I mean, you've not, you've not, you've said it perfectly, like having something that isn't like even an intake form or whatever you're talking to clients about making sure that they can, you've illustrated to them just what you said, all those choices, but then being able to successfully communicate to them everything that you just said so that it makes perfect sense to them. Um, and it doesn't seem like at the end of the day, you wronged them by not offering them something that was going to work long-term. Um, and again, that goes back to this, you know, the business owner, the integrator, everybody having that ability to communicate successfully to alleviate and mitigate potential problems later on. It's such a huge skill. It's such a huge value to a successful business to be able to communicate those things ahead of time. And so sometimes largely people know all of this. It's just then being able to articulate it well. And that's where I think a lot of people fall short um, and could you know, really benefit from working with mentors within our industry of how they've done it best. Um, now go model, go follow what they've yeah. done. Speaking of communication, as we're gonna segue into our next story, when is the right time to fire a client? Uh, this comes to us from CE Pro. And although it sounds doom and gloom, I love firing clients. This is yeah. kind of my favorite part of the business. Um, don't take that. No, no, that's what exactly what I meant. Um, it is never easy to fire a client. It's never easy to turn down a client. Uh, read through this article. It is, it is the story of uh, Willie Montoya. He's going through uh, a client that he had that he thought was one of his people, one of, one of his clients that was going to be there forever. And through a, a series of things, he found out very quickly that, uh, or, or maybe not so quickly, um, that that client was not as invested in that relationship as he was. Uh, Richie, I want to I wanna start with you on this. This is one of those things that if you have been in business for longer than a couple of years, I'll say, we've all had those clients who started out great. You either A, determined fairly quickly that y'all didn't mesh. This was not a good fit. And somehow you had to either get it to the point of completion so you could get out, or in some cases, some drastic cases, uh, end that relationship very quickly. Um, how do you go about trying to know going in where your client is going to be? Because most times, I know in every experience that we've had, when we've had to fire clients, looking back, there was enough warning signs that I should have known that ahead of time. Or after the first you know, part, part of that project, I should have went, yeah, this ain't going to, this ain't going to work. And we have a good system, but how do you, how do you go about developing that system or, or really getting through the nitty gritty of a, of a pre-screen to know where that client's going to be? So once you're in business long enough, um, you figure out that, yeah, sometimes it's luck. There's instinct involved. And then there's skill and experience. Skill, experience, and wisdom tends to only occur once you've had your, your butt handed to you a few times. I, I'd love to be able to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. You're going to get it right every time out of the way. No. If you've been in this business long enough, a couple of things will happen. You will get fired. You will likely part ways with somebody. And you will have frustrations that you have to overcome. It's the nature 
of the service-based industry. We are a service-based industry. And we were just talking about it before the recording, which there's always human nature that's involved. And, I, and, and we're in a very technical industry, right? We, we, we deal with electronics. We deal with what really is a binary world, right? Yes or no. Um, picture, no picture, sound, no sound. However, <laughs> as a business owner or even as a project manager, as a salesperson, any of these, the human nature plays a huge part in this. And when you're dealing with something technical, as I always said, it's not if something breaks, it's when it breaks. You don't necessarily know how somebody's going to react to that. And you have to get through that point of how do they react? Do they view it rationally? Do they accept your solution and your explanation? Or are they irrational? And is that how they deal with frustration? Yeah, now that's, that's high level stuff. It really is. You would just think that, hey, I got this thing to work. The TV turns on. The Apple TV gets a picture and I've got an IP address. I'm good to go. Everything's going to go great. This is the, the skill side. This is the craftsmanship. This is plying your trade. This is understanding how to service the whole project. Um, you know, and again, West Coast Uncle Richie, right? Here's, here's the holistic side of my West Coast vibes of this, but I truly believe it is that there's a holistic approach to this. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with people first and mm -hmm. foremost. You're dealing with personalities first and foremost. And depending on where your client base is, um, you know, I deal with C-level executives. I deal with the companies and the people that fund the companies that are in the news. These are demanding people. Mm -hmm. And they are used to being told no sometimes. Or they aren't used to being told they're wrong. Um, what I will say, and, and it is kind of the, it's the, you know, they have the unspoken rules. The unspoken rule of the custom channel, sooner or later, you will be fired for something that you think is completely unfair. Period. If you're around this long enough, it will happen uh, because of that human nature element. Because a frustration will get transferred to the, what they believe to be the source of the frustration. Mm -hmm. Raise your hand right up there. Whether you did it or not, whether it was YouTube broke something. Well, you broke YouTube <laughs> after a period of time. And so, you know, one of the things to understand, you know, and again, we were talking about before and with the CD channel, I mean, Rob Gerhardt used to have a fantastic class. Um, and I, I, it might be actually a little bit before your time, Matt, um, that it was basically, he would talk about the nightmares that would occur. And, and, and it was a master class from somebody who was extremely successful in the industry on all the ways that he completely bungled things and crashed and burned and then learned from those mistakes and came back. You can't be afraid of your mistakes. You can't be afraid of admitting your mistakes. Yeah. And where, so, you know, the, the 10 second recap, where do you prevent this? Humility, honesty, transparency in your communication that you may not be ready to do it. And, and, and finding a place and a connection with the client to be able to say, hey, these, these are the things that are gonna happen. I know you don't wanna hear it. I don't like saying it, but if I don't tell you now, six months from now, this is going to be an issue with, mm -hmm. with that you're going to have with me. Mm -hmm. And that's what Relief really talks about. The, you know, the article he talks about, this was technically something that happened outside of the AD side of things. It was a personality conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, those, those things are going to happen. Um, 
but as an integrator, you have to always be prepared to be replaced. You have to always have it in the back of your mind. What will happen? Um, you know, we, we call it the, the lottery or bus syndrome, right? If I win the lottery or get hit by a bus, can I make sure that whatever's left behind, somebody can pick it up and, 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 and take it from there? If you're being hired by a client, that's your responsibility. You should be able to do that. The article talks about, you know, two people came in and they couldn't understand the thing. And, and you know, I'll, that's how I found out about it. For me, philosophically, from a company standpoint, that was the mistake of the original integrator. Because if somebody can't follow in your footsteps, you're doing you're your client a disservice. Yeah, that, that's, that's just, you made something overly complicated that doesn't need to be. Um, so, so there's some good lessons in, I mean, absolutely read this article because if nothing else, hopefully it causes you to think about, hey, how, how am I dealing with this mm -hmm. and, and as a company and as an individual? But I, and I want to jump in and I want to say, and this is not exclusive to us. I mean, this is not exclusive to our industry. This is anything. So mm -hmm. you don't like something or working with someone or, you know, your, your child's teacher. I mean, everybody wants to have a time where you can go ahead and say, I want to part ways with you. I don't like the language of I'm going to fire a client. Instead, it's more, I want to part ways with, with this particular client because X, Y, and Z. So I want to go back to the root and I want to start with what, you know, Richard was talking about looking at this holistically. First of all, how reflective are you as an integration firm, as an integrator? Do you go back post-project? And I don't care how big it is. And do you look at some of the pitfalls that happen? I mean, you said it first and best, Matt Scott, too, related to this idea of do you actually go back and, and say, um, okay, uh, I saw some real red flags here. And what were they? Do you do post project um, reflective uh, looks with your team at what went right and what didn't go so right? So you can recognize some of these things for the next project that you might be taking on. And then also recognizing that if you're going to part ways, did you actually um, figure out from the very beginning, you had done a really good job originally to mitigate some of those potential issues where you're talking about, did you lay out the project successfully? Did you go and make sure everybody knew what they should should be doing? Um, did you uh, navigate through particular challenges if it had already been worked on by a different integrator prior to you coming on board? I mean, there's so many of those things, but at the end of the day, I think with COVID, especially during this time of the pandemic, we've noted that a lot of people are starting to, I think sometimes feel up against a wall in terms of, of this particular topic of, I now need to please every single person all the time. Um, and that's across the board in every industry. And I think we have to take a look at that and say, at the end of the day, we start to also undervalue ourselves too, in, in terms of keeping with things that maybe is not a good fit for us. Um, is your client taking up more time than they're worth? If the answer is yes, then we need to have a conversation about what that looks like. That's not good. If they're being disrespectful to you, to your team, if they're not listening to you, there's some real things to list out. And that goes back to that post-project look. So you don't necessarily uh, take on clients that you can see immediately ahead of time. This is not going to be a good fit for whatever reason. Um, so again, as Richard said, that holistic understanding of, of what to do prior might help some of these conversations later um, by mitigating ahead of time. Samantha, let me ask you this, because you, you kind of touched on it for a second there. How do you go about, because I would argue that, and I'll use my company for an example, the last eight months, our clients have been more demanding mm -hmm. on, on, on a whole. They have been dramatically more demanding than they ever have in the past. Yes. Typically, we would get uh, or, or be afforded a, a level of grace for, for scheduling or product delays or what have you. That has been significantly lacking the last, you know, six to eight months. 
how do you go about, because no one ever wants to break up with a client, fire a client, part ways with a client, depending on how diplomatic mm -hmm. you want to be. How do you go about trying to do that in a manner where they're not going to go tell all their friends that Matt's terrible at his bit at his job. And, and, and I know that there are times that is unavoidable. Mm -hmm. We've had that happen where no matter what we do, it's done. It's over. Mm -hmm. We are no longer besties. Mm -hmm. How do you go about it? Or, or is there is, is there a framework to follow to try and come out of that somewhat unscathed? Absolutely. Um, now, there is always going to be the exception and not the rule where you're going to have some that no matter what you do or how you handle it, it's never going to be enough. We can always recognize those ones as well. But I think we lump everybody into that category. And that's not true at all. We meet our clients where they are. And sometimes that is depending on the climate of the actual where we are in the world and this here has been a tough one, they're not gonna be where they've been before. Um, conversations and humility and also understanding that there is so much more of a component right now going on for each of us that's personal struggles that have nothing to do with business that we have to be aware of. So when someone's having a conversation with you that seems quite heightened and you're wondering where it's coming from, recognize the iceberg of who that person is. You're seeing the very top that you're working with. There's a whole layer underneath that probably has a lot of other things going on for them and you're getting the brunt of it. So when you meet them where they are, it means that your communication at all times remains very professional, but also, and not in, a, in an inauthentic way, you're really caring about where they are. So this is the most that I can give to you, being very upfront with that. And also recognizing that within your conversations with them, and I recommend a real conversation with them, not just an email. Yeah. Real conversations with them start from, I hope that everything's going well, or I was sorry to see that this has happened, or really understanding where they're coming from, and then recognizing that you need to be very honest about what you can do and what you cannot do with them. Focus on that care or concern in the conversation, not what you're necessarily delivering. And there's a difference there. And I think sometimes we try to wrap it all into one thing and then we fail because we didn't necessarily deliver on the final thing. If you're delivering the whole experience in a real um, meaningful and authentic way, even if you don't get to the end result of what you thought you could or what you wanted to give to them, you did it the right way. And honestly, that word of mouth, that is what travels later on yeah. from a client that you may not have pleased or didn't necessarily come to fruition at the very end, how you thought it was going to be. If you handled yourself in a way that, that recognized where they were at that moment and, and where you wanted to be along the journey with them, then you're not leaving with them seeing you in a way that is actually an unfair representation of who you are and who your business is as a whole. Um, but as leaders teach the other people within your team to do what I just said, it's really on you. It's your responsibility to have the conversations internally, to go through some of these things, to have some of those intake form forms, to talk through some of those post-project pitfalls and recognize what could we have done better? Should we have communicated earlier? Should we have come back at the end and stated, you know, X, Y, Z here, but we did it framed in a way that made sense as opposed to just this person was difficult, that's it. Um, and I, I just think that there's more of those um, uh, cases that are much easier to probably mitigate and handle than we think. And we lump everybody into one. Um, but it does go back to what we we're just talking about. How are we communicating? How well are we communicating? And recognizing that certain situations to just place people in a, in a, in a mindset that is not necessarily where they would have been, especially pre-pandemic for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to leave it there. Uh, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. 
Uncle Richie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Fergosa Design, or I don't know, maybe catch your podcast, uh, where can they do that? Well, you can find me uh, in the Twitterverse at our Fergosa. Uh, you can find the company at Fergosa Design. Uh, you can type my name in the Googles and random things pop up. Uh, but first and foremost, as I will always say, uh, I would prefer that you find me here on aviation.tv in our suite of shows here with my good friend Matt on Resi Week, uh, over with Tim on uh, AV Week, and hopefully you can visit us uh, on our show about the control systems industry, a state of control with my partner and good friend Steve Greenblatt. But that would be the best place if you show up here, watch our shows, and support our sponsors. Most definitely. Samantha, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Cedia, but specifically uh, about all of the new CEDIA training and education uh, that y'all should be taking. Okay. Where can they get that? Yes, come out to our website. Definitely visit me. Um, email me, sventura at cedia.org. I love to hear from everybody. Um, but just reach out and um, you know ask questions if you're interested in seeing where we've come from and where we're headed. And we're just about to do the beta um, release of our second I, our, our second exam, our credential that we're so excited, our certification, the IST, and our book is about to go out again, um, the second one as well. So we're really excited about this. So find us online, any of us within the education team and department, but if you want to connect with me, email me and um, I'd love to have a conversation. Yeah, I, I will. I will second that all. If you, if you're one of those people who have dealt with CD education, but you haven't done it in like, you know, I don't know, a couple of years, minute or two, you don't realize what it looks like now. Go check it out. Uh, Samantha and her team have done a ridiculous job in uh, updating that and making it current and making it easy to use for you and your entire team. Uh, so definitely go check that out. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit Aviation. TV, where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.